Welcome back to a second series of Leash Connects podcasts, where we meet more of the dedicated people who are there to support you and your community in the wonderful county of Leash. So my guests today are Michelle Baker and Fiona Gallagher, who are both health promotion officers with the HSE based in the Midlands. Health promotion involves encouraging and enabling people to increase control over their physical and mental health through the delivery of health education, training programs and health promotion initiatives. Guys, you are both very welcome. Today we're going to talk about stress, probably one of the most common subjects that we have in the field of mental health promotion. With this conversation, I'd like us to look at what is stress. Is it always negative? Does everyone experience it the same sort of way or is it different for different people? And then if I'm stressed, how would I even recognise that I'm stressed? Or does it creep up behind me quietly? What can we do about it? Because we do live in busy times. There's a lot to get done. There's a lot to be done. I know that too much stress can take a toll on our health. So maybe we could also look at self-care. What are the things we can do to build up some type of insulation around ourselves against the impact of stress? Is this something that we should maybe be seeking support with rather than sort of struggle along in silence by ourselves? Can we start, Michelle, even like what is stress in your view? How do you talk about it or explain it to people? I suppose to explain it in simple terms, it's the reaction we have to excessive pressures or other types of demands that are placed upon us. It arises when we worry that we can't cope. We usually feel stressed when we think the demands of a situation are greater than our resources to deal with situation. There's a few words in there, I suppose. When we think of stress, we often think of the word pressure or demands. In lay terms, we'll often describe stress using the words of being overwhelmed, overloaded, wound up tight. It becomes harmful when we're overstressed, when it begins to interfere with our normal day-to-day life. There's two types of stress, really, Anthony, acute stress and chronic stress. Really just getting back there to what it is, it's wear and tear on our minds and bodies. When we think of stress, we often think of the effect it has on our minds, the effect it has on our well-being, but it also has effect on our bodies as well. And we experience this stress when we attempt to cope with our continually changing environments. So what is it then that triggers it? Like what are the different types of stressors then, in your view, that trigger this response? But talking and mentioning the types of stressors, we run the risk of maybe not mentioning every one of them, but there are set types of stressors in terms of external stress and then internal stress. So external stress is very often described as maybe situations or stressors that we have no control over. And then internal stresses we have control here. Just look at some of external stressors, Anthony. So one would be the physical environment. That might be maybe overcrowded. So living in a situation that is overcrowded and especially with maybe adult children living at home where that's not a choice. So that might be, you know, an overcrowded situation. So that would be a typical situation where the physical environment is affecting your stress, where there is no choice. Extremes of cold, extremes of heat will also be another stressor. So in terms of maybe if we think of old people living at home, you know, maybe where there's a shortage of money, where there's a shortage of fuel. So that will be a stress, the cold. Extreme forms of heat will also be another. We probably don't suffer that too much in this country, unfortunately. Extreme forms of heat, that will be a stressor as well that maybe we don't have control over. 
Another one external stressor would be social interactions, how we relate to people. So if we're involved maybe in a negative relationship, maybe in relationships that is rife with conflict, difficulty, challenges, again, that will be, I suppose, a stressor for us. Isolation, again, you know, where we don't have a good network of friends, of family, of community. And again, that will be an external stressor. The typical ones, the major life events might be job loss. It might be the loss of a loved one, illness of a loved one, divorce, separation. All of those would be described as major life events and will be a major form of stressor as well. So the other one, and I suppose we all have these, is the daily hassles of life. That thing, there's not enough hours in the day. And you often hear people saying that I haven't enough hours in the day. Challenge of day to day living can be a stressor and the sense we've too many things to do. Financial pressure, I'm not talking about poverty here, but I'm just talking about the financial pressures probably most have experienced from time to time. And again, that will be, you know, a stress, a worry. I often hear people talking about social obligations that we have, and that might be the meeting people, I suppose the high pressured life where you're constantly out socialising, where there's constantly demands in terms of going out for nights out. And especially for young people, you know, that some of these social obligations that we have can be a stressor as well. When I was researching this, one thing that kind of came up, a common theme that came up was misplacing or losing things. So that's a day-to-day hassle. Okay, it's not a major life event, but it's a day-to-day hassle. You're rushing out to work in the morning, you can't find your keys. Now, misplacing or losing things can be caused by stress, but it also causes stress. I was looking for a measuring tip this morning. I couldn't find it anywhere, but yet it was right in front of me. And were you stressed, Anthony? I was wound up. So I suppose it's those little daily hassles. Now, again, as I was just saying there before, Anthony, these are external stresses, sometimes that we have no control over. You know, life will throw us lots of challenges, threats like that, and it's inevitable the internal part. This is where we have the control. An internal stress, we have control over these. For example, the lifestyle choices, alcohol, drug abuse. We can make positive lifestyle choices. Diet, if we have no exercise, if we don't have an exercise regime, if we don't have a good self-care package in place for us that, you know, where we might be able to practice mindfulness, where we might be able to practice, I suppose, good self-care. Another internal intrinsic factor with stress is negative self-talk. You know, we put ourselves down and we maybe need to have a language in terms of being able to say things like, whatever happens, I'll manage rather than I can't cope here or I can't manage. It's about reframing maybe what's going on. And maybe that's something we need to look at from time to time. You know, do you engage in negative self-talk? Another one then, Anthony, would be the mind traps, you know, our thinking patterns. What way do we think? Are we at last half full person? And again, how we think and how we view things will have, I suppose, a major impact on the stress that we will suffer, that we will endure. Personality traits, that's another one. Basically, the type of personality that you are, if you have a sense of humour, if you're able to laugh at yourself. But if you're a perfectionist, I suppose, and everything has to be right, proper, we very much think in black and white, that will have an effect again on our ability to manage our stress. So the internal factors are very much how we manage the stress. But again, just mentioning the sense of humour, being able to laugh at ourselves, because very often we take ourselves very, very serious. We take ourselves way too serious. So it's about kind of being able to maybe unravel that a little bit and actually take time out to have a look at how am I managing this stress? Am I taking it way too serious? And that's not to say that life is full of stressors. Um, I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I suppose what we have control over is, is how we manage it. I'm getting a sense then how we're interpreting what's happening in our lives then is a major contributing factor 
to how we respond to stress. Would that be correct? Yeah, there are two types of stress, Anthony. There's negative stress and then there's positive stress. Positive stress is often called eustress. So what negative stress is, it's excessive, goes on for a long period of time, it's prolonged and unrelieved. And this will have a harmful effect on our mental and physical and spiritual health. And then we have what's called positive stress. And this will have a positive effect. So what it does is it spurs motivation and awareness and it provides the stimulation to cope with challenging situations. So what stress will do is it provides the sense of urgency and alertness needed for survival when confronting threatening situations. I had an interesting experience a couple of weeks ago where I was out for a walk with my daughter and we walked about eight kilometres and I was sauntering along and my daughter was a couple of yards ahead of me to what seemed to me like a vicious dog came bounding. So straight away, I suppose what happened there was my fight or flight response kicked in. So it was either I fight this dog, I take action to keep myself safe. So it was a potentially threatening situation. You know, I could see risk there. I could see challenge there. I could see danger there with this vicious dog coming bounding at me. What happened in that situation was that my stress response kicked in. We were born with a stress response. So that kept me focused and energetic. Now, I wasn't thinking of this, but in hindsight, of looking back, my heart began to beat faster. This gave me the ability to run. So my daughter laughed and she said, I've never seen you run so fast in your life. She said you were like an Olympic sprinter. That was where stress was positive for me because it gave me energy and it released the hormones, cortisol. Physical changes began to happen in my body so that it helped me to react quickly and to get away from the dog which I did because I just ran so fast I got away from the dog. As soon as the threat had passed, the dog went back in home. My hormone levels probably returned back to normal within a short period of time. But my body, it produced the physical and the mental response to cope with the threat. So the threat that I experienced there was acute stress. It was short in duration and my body returned to its normal self within a short period of time. Now, however, if my life was to be filled with this vicious dog style scenario, I would probably be suffering from chronic stress because I would constantly be on high alert. My fight or flight response would constantly be activated and I'd constantly be in a state of high alert. With stress, it may not always be a vicious dog. But there are other situations in our life where we will feel threatened, where we will feel challenged, where we will feel that there is high risk. And the very same fight or flight response is kicked in or otherwise known as the stress response. Our bodies and our brains very often actually don't know the difference between the risk of being attacked by a vicious animal or a fear or a worry. If our bodies are constantly in high alert and we're constantly pumping this cortisol and the hormones around our body, that's, I suppose, very unhealthy for us. Our body is constantly in a state of this high alert. It's fine for short little bursts, but we're not designed to have it there all of the time. We're not designed to have it there all of the time. And I suppose our brains are not hardwired to have it there all the time. Again, our brains will interpret worries, fears, stress as a high risk situation when our fight or flight response mode has to kick in. Can I ask then, Fiona, how would I even know that I'm stressed if I'm living in chronic stress? You know, I've developed my lifestyle in a way whereby I might not realise that I'm rushing around and those stress response hormones are constantly active? Like, how would I even recognise the signs? 
as kind of Michelle was saying there, it's different for everybody. So everybody will experience it in different ways. But there are some symptoms that you can watch out for. They can be physical, they can be mental, they can be emotional and behavioural. So kind of just to look at those a little bit more so that you can watch out for how you might be reacting to stress in your own body. So, for example, around physical, it might be affecting your sleep. So you may be waking up in the middle of the night. Maybe you're finding it hard to get to sleep or equally, maybe you're sleeping too much. So it can affect everybody in different ways. And even if you are getting enough sleep, it can actually cause fatigue as well for some people. Then there can be the headaches, the aches and pains that we can feel in our body. So that's around the physical. But as we said, it will affect everybody in different ways. Then if we look at the mental side of stress, it can be affecting our lack of concentration. So you may be doing a task at work, you're sitting there, but you just can't concentrate on it. You're flitting from one thing to the next. Your mind is not able to concentrate on the one thing. Or equally, it could be something that you're doing at home, but the task in hand, you're just not able to concentrate on. It can affect your memory. So you start to forget things. It can be confusing for some people. And it can even lead to panic attacks in more serious cases for some people as well. The behavioural side of it, so how we might react then to stress is that it can actually affect one of the most common things is our appetite. So for one person, it may be that it actually stops them from eating. And for then another person, they actually start to maybe eat more or they snack more to kind of, it's like comfort eating. And at times I'm sure we've all done that. But for others, then it can be the lack of appetite that we actually don't feel like eating. We may turn to some activities to try and cope with that, such as alcohol, maybe smoking, even maybe drugs in some cases to try and cope with the stress. But in the long term, they would have a negative effect. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Then for things like it could be fidgeting even, you know, that you can't sit still. You're constantly having the energy to kind of expel. So you're fidgeting. And even for some people, then it could be nail biting. So those kind of habits, those behavioural things we would see in people who are stressed. And then leading on to maybe the emotional side of it. So for some people, it can be feeling impatient maybe fits of rage, even the simplest thing with somebody, maybe somebody says something and it can really, really affect you and you maybe fly off the handle with them, even though it was something quite minor. So you become hypersensitive. Become hypersensitive, exactly, yeah. And your emotions can be heightened. So you can go from maybe being even tearful one moment to then maybe having the rage another moment. And it can also then lead to bouts of depression in some people as well. So again, we're looking at panic attacks in some cases, but then to depression for other people as well. Another kind of sign or symptom would be with our own appearance and our own hygiene that that kind of gets neglected. So that's the kind of things to watch out for in some of the symptoms. But as we said, it's different for everybody. The important thing, I suppose, with all of this is really to know what your early warning signs are with regard to stress. Anthony, you might deal with it, Michelle or myself. We might actually feel it very differently in our bodies. So, for example, I know with myself, I know my stomach. That's where I feel it. I start to get that tension. Then for other people, it might be tension in your neck. It might be the headache. It might be the dry mouth. So it's what watching out for those and kind of recognising them and being aware of your own body, really. So it's kind of tuning into how do I feel when I'm in those situations that are stressed? So it's taken a bit of time to actually recognise it in your own body and kind of pinpoint what those things are for you. So it's a little bit like a smoke alarm, really. Kind of we use that analogy to kind of look at what is it? You know how the smoke alarm goes off if there's smoke, it lets us know that maybe there's the potential threat of fire. 
So it's really to tune into what is it in my body? What way am I feeling it so that I can actually know then what to do about it before maybe it leads on to maybe the more serious symptoms that we mentioned a moment ago and to actually recognise as well, what is it that maybe is leading to my stress? You know, what is it that's causing me to be stressed? Is it when I put off things? Is it deadlines at work? Maybe it's even just getting up in the morning for some people can be a stressful situation and what they have to face as the day goes by. But it's to kind of see what is it that's leading to my stress. And that's not a weakness. It's not a weakness to actually know what are the things that maybe cause me stress. The important thing to know about those is then we can actually do something about them. As you're talking there, I physically could not see my measuring tape this morning, even though it was right in front of me in the cupboard. Now, my wife and my boys had a great laugh at that, but I just could not see it. And as you're talking... Another thing I was doing this morning, I was moving around quite fast. I needed to do certain things before I left. But as you're talking, I'm thinking, OK, what am I stressed about? Because I'm obviously stressed about something and I'm not tuned into it. <laughs> so my eyesight's going. I can't see stuff that's in front of my nose. And it may be lifestyle, like it may be self-induced and maybe juggling too many balls at the minute or you know, I'm taking on too many tasks. What can I do about it or what can we do about it then? Or is there anything that we can do about it? There certainly is, Anthony, and I think you've probably given a scenario there that many people face, you know, because it's nearly like, isn't it, it's the blindness when you said your measuring tape was right in front of you, but you couldn't see it. But now that you've actually had a little bit of time to kind of reflect, maybe it's other things that maybe are having an effect on the way you're able to deal with the stress. So there definitely is some things we can do. And we would talk a lot, I suppose it's important to bring in here maybe the whole area of self-care in relation to dealing with our stress. We do hear that a lot, but what what exactly is self-care? What is it for myself? What is it for other people? So really, it's about taking part in activities or practices that we can do deliberately on a daily basis, really. I suppose the important thing there to focus on is the deliberate, that we're making a conscious effort to actually do these activities, that it's not just, oh, they happen now and again. Because what happens, and kind of you mentioned it there, Anthony, is when we are stressed, our self-care slips And it's the first thing to get dropped. So the things that we use to actually mind ourselves and actually help us to cope on a day to day basis, they're normally the things that get put to the side. They're the first things to get dropped because we have so many tasks, as you said, to do. So we we just don't have time. I normally go for a cycle in the morning and I didn't go for a cycle this morning because I felt tired. They went, do you know what, I'll maybe do something later on tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you put off the thing that probably maybe would have made you feel... Which would kept my eyesight. <laughs> so that's it. As we okay. said, it slips and it's the first thing because we're now, right, well, we have time for all these other things, all the, the lists that we have to do, the expectations of us, maybe as a parent, maybe as a worker, whoever it is. But our health care is the first thing that gets dropped off. I think, Fiona, that often reminds me of what we do in our life that nourishes us and what we do that depletes us. Just when you were talking there, Anthony, about the measuring tape, and not being able to see it. I suppose sometimes when our minds are overloaded, it can only take so much. And if we constantly are doing things that are depleting us, and life can deplete us very, very quickly in terms of the pressures that we're under, the demands that we're under, and sometimes just trying to keep your head above water can be quite depleting, especially in difficult, challenging times. So we need to have packages ready that will nourish us. You mentioned there you didn't get to go for your run this morning. 
So that's one of your nourishing activities that you normally do. And that is kind of like, I suppose, that's the reserve and the resource that you have there to draw from when life becomes challenging. But you just talked there, Fiona, about self-care. And we know that we need to prioritise it all the time in order to deal with inevitable stress, really. So again, Anthony, you'd mentioned there about you didn't go for your run this morning. We know that exercising regularly is a good protective factor in terms of self-care. We also know that exercise works very, very well for stress because the stress hormone tends to attack the body. So if we're exercising regularly, we're actually getting rid of that stress hormone. Eating healthily and again, a lot of research on this healthy diets will promote healthier living as well. Having social supports and using them. Who are our contact people? Who are we well connected with? I mean, I've heard it said that everyone has to have one person that they know they can call at two o'clock in the morning if things are really, really tough. So I suppose just looking at do we have those social supports? Do we have that sense of connectivity? I suppose another area of self-care is regulating your emotions, being aware of what your emotions are and being able to regulate them. Again, we looked earlier on about the internal factors or the internal types of stress to try to be positive and optimistic, to try and look at the glass half full versus the glass half empty. And again, you know, the self-talk, all of that. Fiona just talked there about sometimes one of the symptoms of stress is, you know, maybe overindulgence in alcohol, drugs, other substances, tobacco. So really it's about, you know, managing that and looking at, you know, our alcohol consumption to quit smoking. I know that can be very difficult, especially when you're stressed. Make time to relax and have fun. We know that all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You know, try to relax, have fun so that to have these positive emotions and times to draw from when we are stressed. Because if we are constantly, you know, that overloaded, overworked, overwhelmed, it is going to have an effect on our well-being and how we're feeling. You know, and I suppose stress breeds stress. So we can get sort of caught up very much in chronic stress. Sometimes people have been stressed, you know, and they haven't actually realised they've been stressed. They may have been stressed for years. They weren't actually able to recognise that. So again, just to get back of self-care and to prioritise it and to involve ourselves in activities and practices that we deliberately choose them. We may not be very good on self-care, so sometimes we have to be deliberate and have it as an inbuilt programme and we have to engage in them on a regular basis to support our health and well-being. Sometimes people think, you know, we often have a saying in our, well, isn't that one very good to ourself? And, you know, self-care, it's not selfish. It's not selfish. It's something that we need to do because if we're constantly, you know, drawing water from the well and are not replacing it, the well will go dry. So we'll be left with nothing. And I often think of carers. They're constantly giving to others. And sometimes it's really important to be able to care for yourself. It's not easy. And as Fiona mentioned, sometimes we don't have the time for self-care. We don't prioritise it. It takes effort, something that we have to work on, that we have to build on. And we have to know what it is and we have to be able to know, well, what are my nourishing activities? What do I do that nourishes me, that keeps me afloat? There was the point this morning, it wasn't a run I was going for, it was a cycle. There was a point this morning I stood on my back. I went, come on, move it, move it. And I went, I just, I can't face it. I can't face it this morning. I'm too tired. I'll do something later on this evening. And that's not like me. You know, I'm quite good at pushing through that that little voice that says, I'll oh, go on, take it easy. But this morning I just thought, I just can't face it. I just can't face the graft that's involved. It sometimes like it is a challenge. Do you know that self-care piece is a challenge? And absolutely there, I suppose that was a typical example, Anthony, where you dropped an activity that you know 
is good for your mental health and for your self-care. But again, I'm not sure, but you may have prioritised something not quite as exciting or quite as interesting to do and rather than go for your cycle. So again, it's to be aware, I suppose, of that behaviour within ourselves where we drop what's good for us. So if I don't do something this evening, then it means my little self-care piece is gone for the day. So if I only have two or three things that I do for my self-care and if I don't do them, then I go through a whole day without anything to help me deal with stress in my life. What other things do you think I should be doing? If I had a kit beside me or a tool bag beside me, what else should be in there to help me? So Anthony, you've mentioned a really, really important part of our self-care and that is really building up our self-care toolkit, just exactly that. And as Michelle said, it's about nourishing ourselves with these activities and practices on a daily basis. So Michelle mentioned a few like the healthy eating, the physical activity, that side of it. But there's other things as well that we can do. Interests and hobbies, you know, you've mentioned there, we've mentioned it a few times about the cycling, but what other interests? Kind of look back at what you used to do maybe when you were younger and it doesn't have to be things because maybe a run or a cycle is a long activity and maybe that could take some time so what other I don't run that long (laughs) (laughs) it's short Um, so what other things what other things could enrich your life so it's all about looking at what you enjoy because it'll be different for everybody so what I might like doing you may not like doing so it's about looking back at things maybe you used to do in your past and can you bring those in so the short term things that you can do to the long term things so having plenty of activity activities in that toolkit that are of interest to you and that you'll actually engage in. So that's really important to be able to engage in them and enjoy them and get something out of them. So those types of activities. And then also it's really important around having those connections. Michelle touched on it a few moments ago, but having the connections with friends, with family, with colleagues, not only about when things are going so well, you know, we might pick up the phone and we're having the chat, but also maybe when things aren't going so well picking up the phone to somebody if it's okay to reach out to family and friends but sometimes we do need to go a little bit further and if we do need to seek professional help that's really important as well is stress something that you can get professional help with yes definitely it is and I think we need to get used to being able to reach out if the self-care we're not able to actually reach into our toolkit and we're being affected by maybe some of the symptoms that we mentioned earlier if we're dealing with panic attacks maybe the depression the stress is leading to that then we do need to seek professional help when we're actually not able to cope on a day-to-day basis. So we do need to reach out and we'll be talking about some contacts that you can reach out to, which is really important, but it is very important to seek help and not to be afraid to ask for help, either professionally or sometimes, you know, if somebody offers to do us uh, do something for us, not to just pass it off and say, I'll do it myself. You know, ask for that help. Take it when somebody's given it to us because it's really important and it enriches our lives as well. Some other things that we can do around the self-care is I mentioned sleep as being one of the things that's disrupted when you're stressed. So making sure you're getting plenty of rest and bringing a bit of structure and routine. Remember when we were smaller, people have kids, you have a bedtime routine where we go to bed at a certain time, we get up at a certain time. We equally need that as adults, maybe not as rigid, but if we do feel that our pattern of sleep is being affected by our stress and looking at maybe our surroundings of where in our room, what are we doing before we go to bed? We often maybe have the phone or the tablet in our hand and that can actually disrupt sleep. So maybe having that off maybe an hour before you go to bed is really important just to kind of soothe yourself before. So you kind of have the calmness, you know, that bright light that you see on the monitors can affect your sleep. 
Is your room dark enough? What temperature is it? So all of those things. So kind of reflecting back things we would have done when we were smaller to have that routine in our lives as well. And taking time to relax as well on our day to day basis. So, Anthony, we talked about maybe you might not get that opportunity later on to do that activity. But what other things could you do? Could you sit down maybe and listen to music? Could you maybe cook a meal? That might be your way of relaxing. Maybe sitting down and actually doing a breathing exercise or something like that. Being in tune with our bodies so that we can actually have the time, the pause. We talk about this pause sometimes in our day to day. It's just actually taking a pause, whether we're at our desk, maybe we're at home, maybe things are chaotic, but just to actually take that pause and time and then be aware of our bodies and maybe breathing is a really good way of doing that. And then managing our stress as well. And that's what we're saying. It's all about recognising it first, but then having your toolkit of things that you can put into it to help with that. So it's those who prioritise self-care that are less likely to be stressed. But if they're stressed, they're able to deal with it better. And as we said, it's not selfish. If you think of even the aeroplane, when we've been on a flight, the safety talk at the very start, put on your oxygen mask first before you tend to anybody else. So if we don't look after ourselves, we're very quick, I'm sure, to tell our friends if they would be telling us that they're stressed. We'd be giving them lots of advice and things they should do. But do we take those on board ourselves? And we're much more likely to be able to care for others if we're in that role as well, if we do look after ourselves. On that as well, Fiona, as you were talking there, I was thinking about all the things that I suppose excuses that we come up with really for self-care. What gets in the way or why are we a little bit slow on this self-care uptake? Because sometimes we feel guilty for taking time for ourselves. And that's a typical, I suppose, mother one as well is I'm caring for my children or I'm caring all the time and I'd feel guilty actually if I prioritise my own self-care. So it's something that we have to prioritise and we have to put out there. Another one we often say to ourselves is I'll just finish this first and when I get this done it'll be grand, I'll relax. That doesn't always happen. I'm too tired. There's no point. I won't keep it up. You often hear that, you know, that I'm not going to start a new exercise regime or I'm not going to start a new self-care regime because I won't keep it up. Another one, again, is as a child, apart from mammy and daddy, the second word that a child learns, you know, the typical toddler one is no. But as we get older, we actually lose that word and we find it hard to say no. So that we're constantly taking on extra pressure. We're constantly responding to the demands and sometimes to learn to say no is important. That can make then stress self-induced then. Yeah, absolutely. We do have control over it. But again, as Fiona said earlier on, to recognise that, to have the recognition that I have a tendency to say yes to everything because I like to please people. That's the kind of person I am. I like to please people. But to be able to say no, and there's a great amount of empowerment in being able to say no, not at the moment, but it's maybe something I look at later on or, you know, without being hurtful and without feeling guilty by saying no because really that is your first call in terms of self-care is being able to say no to the demands to the pressures that's been some of them we can say no to we have to respond to but there are certain ones that we can say no to so it's okay to say no it's okay to say no absolutely absolutely you know, we're talking a lot about building that self-care toolkit. So it's about first reflecting what you're doing well, because maybe you have got good practices. So what's going well, but also then to look at, OK, well, what else can I put into it? So even think about one thing, one thing that you want to do a little bit more of or equally maybe something that you need to do a little bit less of. So having a reflection about what you're already doing is a really good starting point because it can be overwhelming to start thinking about toolkits and how do I put it together. But look at first 
what's going well for you. And then you can start to build on the new things that you need to put in with your life to make it a little bit easier and to be able to cope with the demands. Another thing as well there, Fiona, just as you were talking, one of the really important, I suppose, stress busters and stress management techniques is being able to manage your time. And that's really important. If you look at the typical working lady, the typical working gentleman, they have a diary that's normally filled up with demands, with pressures, with expectations. And I suppose just to create a balance of even loading so that we have We can have in our diaries time for self-care. The self-care might just be taking 10, 15 minutes out a day just to check in with ourselves to see how we are and to take a moment sometimes to say, well done, you worked really hard today, you did really well, you deserve a little time out and to treat yourself. To treat yourself is not a bad word. It's something that we all need. Something's coming to mind there just when you're saying about, yeah, the treating ourselves and praising ourselves, you know, is really, really important. And to be kind to ourselves as well. We're very quick to say what didn't go well today. But if we can reflect back on what went well, you know, even the three things that went well for us over the day and to pat ourselves in the back. We are worth it, you know, the, putting self-care into our lives. It's to actually acknowledge that we are worth it and we do need to have these practices built in as a habit. It's nearly to build a habit into our daily lives. Can I ask then, guys, in terms of support, I actually didn't realise you could get support for stress. This is news for me. Who can help people get support with their stress then, Michelle? I suppose there's various forms and people and places we can get our support from. Just coming to mind now are the Samaritans. They're a 24-hour free service that we can call up and they're trained to actually help us to deal with because stress can cause crisis in our life and we may feel in crisis. That's one free phone that we can contact there, 116-123. So that's one port of call. I suppose our GP as well, because it's more than likely our GP knows us. And if we have a good relationship with them, that we can tell them that we're feeling very stressed. Now, we may not mention the word stress. It may be feeling depressed. I feel overloaded. I feel overwhelmed. I feel I can't cope. But it's always, always important to ask for that help. To be able to know that if we will all be stressed. So, for example, this morning, Anthony, you mentioned you were a little bit stressed over that you couldn't find the, the measuring tape. Now, that's not necessarily a situation that you have to contact your GP. But knowing, you know, that you have that feeling of being overwhelmed, overstressed and knowing that I suppose that you're chronically stressed really is to go to your GP. Just in terms of, I suppose, online supports that are available as well. There's a new Minding Your Wellbeing programme, which the HSC have. So that supports you to care for your mental health. And that's available online. And again, that will give you the resources and the reserves to dip into to help you cope with stress, to help you cope with the challenges. And that's available on www.yourmentalhealth.ie. And just, I suppose, as we're talking about stress, there's also a new online six week stress control program available. And that's available on www.stresscontrol.ie. And that takes you again through all the different self-care that we can practice to help us to deal with stress. Can I finish by asking this question? Listening, guys, what is the one thing that you do that you know is good for your stress management, Fiona? So I have a couple of things. Walking is one. I love going walking out in nature and exercising, just kind of stretches and things like that for building kind of muscle tone. And then I like doing a few little creative things. So making things. That's me. <laughs> Would you, Michelle? I use my sense of humour, really, and sometimes a good old belly laugh can put things in perspective and being able to laugh at myself. And I think perspective for me is really, really important and being able to look at things and, you know, 
change them around and look at through a different lens. And again, the sense of humour and the being able to laugh at myself. Did you laugh at yourself when the dog was chasing after you? No, I did not, Anthony. No, I didn't. But we had a great laugh afterwards, you know, because my daughter said to me, no, gosh, you were like an, an Olympic sprinter. And when I tell the story at home, I would laugh about it, you know. So that was how the perspective that I looked at, it was quite funny rather than saying, gosh, that was so dangerous. There was such a threat there. So it's again about kind of flipping the script for me. Very often things in life can be so stressful that you can't laugh, that there's nothing funny about them. So in that situation, I find talking really, really good and opening up because opening up, I think, and telling how you're feeling can sometimes get the feeling acknowledged. And if you have somebody, you know, a friend or, you know, family member that's a good listener to me, that's that's absolute gem is being able to talk about it and to be heard. Guys, thank you so much for coming in to talk today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to your next podcast. Until then, Sloan Gufoyle.